you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are one step away from championship week. I know for a lot of you out there, you have already clinched your matchups and you've already moved on to the championship. So to those of you who have done that already, Congratulations uh, for the rest of you who are still sweating out one more game in week 15. Uh, best of luck to you. We will break down that week 15 Monday night football contest between the Steelers and Bengals. Kimmy Checks will join me as she always does. We'll also go over some waiver wire picks because, hey, look, it's never too late to try and improve your roster, even if there's just one more game left on the schedule. We'll also sort of start turning the page for those of you who maybe the season is over, but uh, you're still sort of locked in. And by the way, we appreciate you for that. Uh, we'll look ahead at some guys who have finished out 2020 strong and talk about whether or not you can keep it going for 2021. So we got a busy, busy show for you today. Glad you could be with us on this Monday. And uh, as we always do at this time, we'll bring in our friend Kimmy Checks, who uh, you had to sweat one out yesterday between the Chiefs and... Although I just have to ask, I know you are obviously a diehard Chiefs fan, but I know that there is a soft spot in your heart for the Saints so this was, was, was this a win-win or was this a lose-lose for you? How did you approach this game? No, okay, so I was born outside of New Orleans. That's where my dad's side of the family is, but my mom's from Kansas City. So when I was little, we moved to Kansas City. So I grew up as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. However, my father and my dad's entire side of the family likes the Saints. So in situations where the Saints and the Chiefs do not play each other, I can root for both teams. The Chiefs are obviously numero uno. <laughs> in a situation where they do play each other, the Chiefs are still numero uno. I mean, I think I would have been happy either way. Obviously a little bit more bummed if the, if the Saints would have won over my Chiefs. But regardless, we bought it home. It was a little touch and go there for a moment. Uh, <laughs> I, I felt really good. And then in that second half when the Saints kind of got a little bit more energy and they got a little bit closer uh, to, get, to get closer and, you know, hopefully try and tie up the game. That's when I started sweating, but have no fear. Patrick Mahomes was here, uh, and we bought home the dub. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard. That's all I can. That is the only explanation. It's it's for honestly how he does it's it's one of those things where it's like you feel bad. Like you feel like you feel bad <laughs> watching the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think I tweeted it. It was like it's just not fair how good and versatile they are. It's like you can't stop the run game. You cannot even try to come close to the passing game. Our defense was was connecting on all cylinders. Like it's just I don't know. Brett Veach and, and the and the Hunt family, like hats off to you and, and Andy Reid. Like we are we are out of control. <laughs> well, in, enjoy it while you can, because you know most most fans of teams will tell you that these kind of moments don't come around all that often. I mean, unless you're a Patriots fan and you get like a whole generation's worth of it. But for most teams, uh, these are short windows. So uh, certainly enjoy it while you can. All right. Uh, let's get to some fantasy headlines, some of the things we saw on Sunday that will impact you maybe going forward if you are still alive. The first one, 
talking about quarterbacks doing some spectacular things, Jalen Hurts really went out and he put a hurt on the Cardinals. And even though Arizona hung on and won that game, it certainly was not uh, due to the lack of effort put out by Hurts and the Eagles offense. 338 passing yards, 63 rushing yards, a touchdown on the ground, three through the air. And to me, next week, the Eagles have the Cowboys on the schedule. And a big game, obviously, for the NFC East, but potentially for fantasy managers as well. Are we talking about Jalen Hurts maybe being a must-start for people streaming quarterbacks next week? Uh, we absolutely have to. Now, on our Fantasy Game Day show on Sunday, we had this conversation. Would you rather start Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts? And I hopped on. and was like, why are we even having this conversation? Jalen Hurts has only started in one NFL game, and you made the argument that people like shiny new toys and shiny new things, and that's probably where all the hype for Jalen Hurts would come from. And I said, okay, that's fine, but you still want to start Kyler Murray because we don't know if this guy's actually good. Uh, and will continue to be fantasy relevant. Then he did what he did yesterday, almost 38 fantasy points against the Cardinals, who normally have a pretty tough defense, right? If you look ahead to the Cowboys, a defense that we've made fun of all season long because of the woes that they've had on stopping opposing offenses, Jalen Hurts looks like an absolute must start. And, you know, even before the show started uh, today, we were chatting. It's like, they were clicking as an offense on all cylinders. It's like you saw guys going up and wanting to make catches and get the ball from Jalen Hurts in a way different way than they did from Carson Wentz. So I think if you are looking for a streaming quarterback and you want to say YOLO and take that chance, Jalen Hurts may be the real deal and could hopefully get you another 38 uh, almost point fantasy performance. The thing is, Kyler was not bad yesterday. And, and as we sit here and record this show right now, Kyler Murray is the quarterback four on the week. Uh, he got you 33 fantasy points. That's a pretty darn good day. Jalen Hurts is the QB one right now. As you mentioned, nearly 38 points from Jalen Hurts. And, and I was worried sort of what happens if he doesn't rush for 100 yards. Well, he got you 63 and a touchdown, which uh, is pretty good. But the three touchdown passes in the first half the 338 yards is man that that was just bananas uh and look, it's a it's a big game next week i'm excited to watch it uh but especially now that we know that uh, jalen hurts is playing so well so now with what we've seen albeit it's you know it's two starts it is a small sample size but we tend to overhype guys over small sample sizes Will we be hyping Jalen Hurts into a top 10 fantasy quarterback in drafts next year? I was just going to say, is this another version of overreaction theater? We got two performances, <laughs> and now we're projecting Jalen Hurts' future in fantasy football from here on out. Uh, I think if we do actually look at the 2021 draft picture for quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts could be a top 10 guy. Now, you mentioned his rushing upside, right? Over 100 rushing yards in his very first start, 63 rushing yards yesterday, and a rushing touchdown for himself. I think we understand that he can rush and he can run the ball and we enjoy that upside. But he can also pass the ball just as effectively. He had seven passes of more than 20 yards yesterday, which has helped uh, him kind of rack up all of those fantasy points. I think it'll be interesting to see the Eagles schedule, but also just knowing all those divisional games that they're going to play next season. Unless some of those teams really make adjustments, I could see Jalen Hurts and the Eagles being a top contender. So if I had to have my crystal ball and make a projection, Jalen Hurts could be a top 10 quarterback and go early off the draft boards. I do think that you know, people are going to, I won't say overdraft, or overdraft him, but there are going to be people who certainly move him up their draft board because, as you mentioned, the rushing upside. Now, he's made two starts, but he had played in some other games throughout the season. As we sit right now through week 15, when it comes to quarterback rushing yards, Jalen Hurts is 12th. 
um, which kind of shows how much he has been effective on the ground, especially the last two weeks uh, with two of those big games. But that's what we look for in fantasy quarterbacks now. You can't just have a guy who stands back in the pocket, is sort of immobile, uh, and doesn't do a whole lot without his legs. It's hard to find that guy and be successful. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers, maybe not the runner he was earlier in his career, he can still move a little bit. It, it, it's hard. You have to really be a Tom Brady at his best or a Drew Brees at his best to be that pocket passer uh, and have a, a, a significant amount of fantasy relevance. So I think that is going to do a lot to sort of boost Jalen Hurts' uh, project, projections for next season. Uh, speaking of guys on which at least I was totally wrong on Sunday, uh, Tony Pollard, who – Stepped in after Ezekiel Elliott was a scratch because of a calf injury, and the matchup didn't look particularly great. The Cowboys' running game hadn't been particularly great. But Tony Pollard went off and had himself a day uh, just running up and down the field over the 49ers, including a long touchdown run, this one right here, which uh, sealed the game for the Cowboys. So assuming that Zeke's going to be okay next week, that he comes back, because, again, it's a big game for Dallas as well, Tony Pollard is going to have a role. If you have Zeke, if you've survived to championship week and you have Ezekiel Elliott, uh, or if you were Ezekiel Elliott himself, how worried should you be? Should you be looking over your shoulder to see if, if Tony Pollard is coming for you? Yeah, Tony Pollard is clearly coming for Zeke and he's coming for anybody who doubted him, myself included. I know both of us uh, on Sunday, you know, there are a lot of questions on Twitter. Do I pick up Tony Pollard and start him because of the Zeke news? And we said overwhelmingly no. Zeke hasn't really been relevant this season, uh, you know, because of those O-line issues and how how is Tony Pollard going to continue to be relevant if Zeke, who's an incredible running back, hasn't been able to do it. Then he went up and put out 31 fantasy points against the 49ers, who I understand they've had some losses on the defensive side of the ball, but they're overwhelmingly a pretty good defense, right? I know that's your team, Marcus, so I got to give them their credit where it's due. <laughs> this, is, this is a classic case of like, if I only have a very small opportunity to make an impact, I'm going to go out and make an impact because Tony Pollard wants to insert himself as a guy who is offensively relevant to this team. I think Ezekiel Elliott should absolutely be worried as well as what his stock and his production is going to look like next season. Uh, you know, we, we've seen a lot of offenses be successful in fantasy football by running kind of a two-headed backfield of a tandem. If you, if you think of the Browns where they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, maybe Dallas could, could utilize that. Now, the hope is that we get Dak Prescott back next season and he's healthy and he's ready to go. We understand that he could throw the ball. But it also does help to have two different running backs who, who can use their feet and, and have some major production on the ground. So hats off to Tony Pollard. I was very wrong, and I will admit that and give the credit where it's due because he completely balled out yesterday. Absolutely. I, I would say that, look, I, I would expect that if Zeke is back and healthy, he will be the starter. But I, I just see that Pollard's role might be growing in this offense. And, and I think you were sort of wise to look ahead and see what happens next year, what you know, how the Cowboys decide to attack this thing. Obviously, if Dak Prescott is healthy and is back next year, the offense sort of revolves around him throwing the football. But maybe we start to see more Tony Pollard. We see him more as a pass catcher. We see him take some of those those uh, other downs away from Zeke. And, and then uh, a guy who had been a perennial top three, top four pick in a lot of fantasy leagues maybe loses some value. So going to be interesting to watch and see what happens next week. Oh, by the way, uh, just as we were sitting here talking, the news came down, and this is not going to surprise anyone. Uh, but Doug Peterson has already named Jalen Hurts as the starter for next week's game against the Cowboys. Again, 
I don't think anybody's surprised by that based on what has happened the past couple of weeks, uh, but it is officially out there. Peterson would not commit to week 17 against Washington, but, you know, again, uh, at this point, I don't see any reason why you would give the job back to Carson Wentz unless somehow uh, Hurts just completely implodes next week, and I just don't anticipate that happening. Um, all right, last bit of news, Ryan Tannehill had himself a day and, and you know on game day uh, fantasy game day on sunday rank asked me who would i pick between tom brady and ryan Tannehill, and i said Tannehill. now i expected it to be closer than it was but Tannehill went out and and just went nuts uh nearly 38 fantasy points for him in that contest against the detroit lions and accounted for five total touchdowns three passing and two rushing and ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback he is the qb7 right now have we overlooked him i feel like we haven't talked about him a lot except for you know spots here and there have we overlooked him this year we have i think 2020 is the year of the streaming quarterback or the quarterbacks who are not the big name guys uh like lamar jackson kyler murray russell wilson right guys who had a ton of hype and then they've kind of fallen off the last few weeks and you look at ryan Tannehill; he's been silently good this entire season 19 plus fantasy points in eight games this season. He's also thrown a touchdown in every single game but one. Double digit fantasy points in every single game played this season. That's over 10 fantasy points, right? If you look at what's happened with AJ Brown and Corey Davis and obviously Derrick Henry, this team has a ton of offensive weapons. And Ryan Tannehill has really started to figure out the groove of how that offense can run and operate. And he understands that he's at the helm of it. He can run the ball, he can throw the ball, and he can spread the ball to different receiving options, uh, which bodes well for the fantasy quarterback. So yes, I think Ryan Tannehill is overlooked. And if we want to continue to look ahead to 2021, he could be a quarterback going off draft boards a lot earlier than expected uh, from 2020. Definitely credit the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who's done a great job there in Tennessee, and uh, our pal Matt Harmon, who does great work over at Yahoo, actually uh, recently wrote a piece that's worth checking out uh, about the Titans offense, the passing game, and what it might look like next year, too, because uh, Arthur Smith's done a great job. They've got some good weapons around him. A.J. Brown is a complete beast. Uh, Corey Davis has had a breakout season as well, but uh, credit Ryan Tannehill for uh, really making the most of these pieces. I mean, they, they had some of these pieces with Marcus Mariota as the quarterback at the start of last year, and it didn't look the way it looks now. So uh, give Ryan Tannehill some credit. And, you know, another guy. We talk about guys who can sort of move out of the pocket. Uh, Tannehill isn't necessarily – we don't talk about his rushing ability a lot, but he can do that. Uh, one of the old chestnuts that you don't hear quite as much anymore is that, did you know Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver at Texas A&M? I mean, that was that oh. was on the Jimmy Graham. That's on the Jimmy Graham used to play basketball and Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard levels of cliches. At least <laughs> it, it used to be. Uh, but I think announcers have started to go away from that one. That one doesn't get dropped as much. So we should we should bring back that one. The Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver at Texas A&M. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, I will say this week, though. This week, he's got the Packers. So I don't know if I'm super gung-ho about starting him, but uh, he's been pretty good all year long. Maybe this is the week you pivot to Jalen Hurts. Just saying. Just saying. Okay, so those are the guys who were pretty good on Sunday. Now the guys who were not, and maybe they're the reason you are no longer playing fantasy football this year. It is time for I'm Salty. Uh, this one is the Who Killed Your Dreams edition. 
And we will start with, because football is a team game, we will start with a team, namely the Seattle Seahawks, who went out to Washington to take on the football team. In a matchup that we all thought yesterday, Kimmy, was not going to be easy, but at the same time, I mean, were you really going to sit DK Metcalf or Russell Wilson? No, you were not. The problem is none of those guys did anything between Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, even Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde was the high scorer from the Seahawks offense, and even he did not get to 15 points. Uh, Kimmy, this was a complete mess. And look, I know it was tough, but you, we still expected more from the Seahawks. And I'm sure a lot of folks are are really hurting this morning because of it. I mean, I'm sure there's some folks that are going to be kicked out of the fantasy playoffs because of this performance. Like you said, understanding how DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and at times how Tyler Lockett plays, you never want to sit those players because you understand that their ceiling and their upside is incredible. These guys could go out and put up 30 plus fantasy points and then you truly are coasting into the fantasy championship round. We understood that the matchup was going to be tough, but like you said, you are never going to start those guys. I, I would take a poll across every fantasy manager there in the United States. If you started Carlos Hyde, please raise your hand. It was like no one, right? Especially in the <laughs> fantasy playoffs. So it's disappointing to know that he was the player who did the best uh, in that game. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. 43 yards for DK, 34 for Tyler Lockett. This just wasn't the performance that we had expected. And, you know, we had said that there were some fantasy duds, right? We talk about the studs, the guys that we know are going to do well, but we also talk about the duds. And, and Russell Wilson was someone that we alluded to could kind of hurt your fantasy playoff dreams because of that tough remaining schedule. So, you know, I think we're surprised that the performance was as bad as it was, but I think it was a little bit expected uh, seeing his regression the last few weeks. The, the last the back half of the season, basically, was a different story. It was a tale of two halves for Russell Wilson. I mean, I remember the first month plus we were talking about him as a legit MVP. That has calmed down quite a bit. Look, and, and some of it is due credit due to the Washington defense, who has been good all year long. So, you know, give them some of their some of their props for that uh, but Russ has just sort of fallen off part of it is because the Seahawks wanted to run the football more to sort of protect Russell from turnovers because he had been a turnover machine uh, but we still were, were hoping for good things and you know sometimes things just don't work out uh, in the key situations for you uh, another one was Adam Thielen and the Bears defense had not been great recently and so I, I sort of felt like all right Thielen Sure, there's a chance that maybe it goes sideways, but more often than not, it's going to be fine. Uh, it was not fine, Kimmy. If you started out of feeling yesterday, things were not fine at all. No, you were better off starting Justin Jefferson, the rookie who we understand has been good this entire season. He had 104 receiving yards and nearly 19 fantasy points. But the OG homie, Adam Thielen, who was on a really good run, he's now had back-to-back -back weeks with less than 10 fantasy points after coming off of three straight games with over 20 points and a combined five touchdown in that same three-game stretch. Now, next up, it's a showdown on the road versus the Saints. Obviously, we understand uh, the miracle of Minneapolis and, and kind of the storied history between these two teams. This is going to be an incredibly tough matchup. And if you have Adam Thielen, this is where you need to start and kind of ask yourself, do I have better wide receiver options in this game or, or next week for the fantasy championship? Because as hot as he's been, we've now seen these back-to-back -back kind of dud weeks. And I think I'd feel a little bit more confident starting Justin Jefferson instead. 
I felt like when Thielen scored the touchdown, like, okay, well, things are going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Uh, and that maybe, you know, he'll he'll find a way to persevere and, and push through. That just didn't happen. Um, in a game where the, the Vikings moved the ball relatively well, uh, it just, you know, Thielen was not really a part of the proceedings. And, and Justin Jefferson continued, as you mentioned, to, to have uh, an outstanding rookie season. So uh, you know, he's the guy I guess you have more confidence in going forward. If you, again, if you survive, I, it's hard for me to make a case to sit Adam Thielen because what the ceiling potentially could be. But we've seen that the floor can be awfully, awfully low. Uh, speaking of low floors. I had praised Amari Cooper all season long for being relatively stable. My, my beef with Amari Cooper coming into the year had been he was the study in highs and lows, right? The, the peaks were really high. The lows, the valleys were really low. But he had sort of flattened things out, and the floor had been pretty safe. Not yesterday against the 49ers. His line only really differed from Adam Thielen's in the fact that Thielen caught a touchdown and an Amari Cooper didn't. Oh, I guess the negative seven rush yards probably didn't help either. But uh, it was an ugly day for Amari Cooper. And, and Kimmy, it probably could not have come at a worse time for a lot of people playing fantasy football. He finished with three scrimmage yards. Three scrimmage yards and two <laughs> fantasy points. In the fantasy playoffs, are you kidding me? And like you said, I mean, we've been praising him because we understand Dak Prescott went out with a season-ending injury. The O-line has had struggles. They're missing a lot of pieces. Uh, and this offense just hasn't clicked all, all season long. However, he still managed to put up some decent double-digit fantasy performances and has kind of been the only true offensive staple of this entire Cowboys team. For him to put up two fantasy points and three scrimmage yards against the 49ers, it's, it's worrisome. And then you look ahead to the schedule. Like we said, it's an NF, NFC East showdown next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they finish with the New York football Giants. Neither of these matchups are incredibly tough. But because they're divisional games and every single team is kind of still in the hunt for the playoffs, I think it may be tougher than we expect. And you really have to ask yourself, like, am I rocking with Amari Cooper as well? Understanding that he's an incredibly talented wide receiver, but also understanding that he just put up two fantasy points. And if you want to clinch a championship, that's, that, that don't fly in my house. The the thing about the Cowboys offense ever since Dak Prescott went out is that it does feel like you can't have two receivers prosper in the same game. It is, it is, you know, CD Lamb or Amari Cooper or the last couple of weeks, even Michael Gallup has found his way into the end zone. So he's sort of come back, but like it's an either or, it's not an and proposition. And so uh, Amari Cooper was definitely the third wheel among the wide receivers yesterday. So it's just, it really has become a roll of the dice uh, with this wide receiver group. And again, Cooper has a high ceiling. Maybe not as high as it has been in the past, but the floor has been higher than it has been in the past, except for, well, yesterday. And uh, maybe the bottom maybe the bottom fell out of you in the fantasy playoffs, in which case, uh, condolences for that. But uh, hey, better days are coming. Stick with our show. Uh, and we will still talk about things that might impact your future. So there's no reason to just uh, pull the chute and bail on us just now. Especially because... I want to thank the good folks at DraftKings because today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. 
Let's do some performance ready presented by Cash Troll, shall we? It is time for Checks Marks the Spot, which we do every week on this show. Normally, we just talk about three guys and whether or not we think they can keep their role going over the course of the season. But uh, look, the season for a lot of folks is over. So it's time we turn the page and look at the, what happens in 2021. We'll look into our murky crystal ball uh, and make some hilariously wild and possibly wrong projections about what 2021 can be uh, based on what we've seen over the last few weeks. So I got four guys. Uh, and we will kick around whether or not uh, we like their prospects for the next season. We'll start with Baker Mayfield, who really has turned things around in the last few weeks and is playing some of the best football of his career. Now that game against the Giants, maybe not the most exciting one to watch, but the Browns get another win and uh, get one step closer uh, to the playoffs for next year. Nearly 21 points from Baker. And... Maybe he is not the rushing quarterback that we talked about in the first segment of this show, but but Kimmy, are we gonna are we gonna see people jumping back on the Baker bandwagon next year? If you look at just the last four weeks, there's gonna be a ton of people who look at those stat lines, and then when you look ahead to 2021 drafts, they're like, oh god, this guy's a real deal. He's thrown for eight touchdowns, rushed for one, and only thrown one interception while averaging over. 300 yards per game in the last four-week stretch. You have to give a ton of credit to Kevin Stefanski and the way that that he is designing this offense. Now, the Browns are still playing without Odell Beckham Jr., who is arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL itself. And missing that piece and still allowing Baker Mayfield to continue to make plays like this is incredibly impressive. So if you have a healthy OBJ and all the other offensive weapons heading into the 2021 season, Baker Mayfield could be legit. Like, now I get it. He won a Heisman. Like, this guy could be the real deal. I like it. Let's dog pound it out. Before the season started, uh, Adam Rank and I were sort of of one mind in that maybe we had been a year too soon on Baker. Because you know, two years ago, everybody was big on Baker Mayfield after that rookie year. And it was, oh, this guy's going to be a top five quarterback. And then the wheels completely fell off that year. And so Rank and I thought you know, back in August that maybe this was the year. Maybe we were just one year too soon. And that now with Kevin Stefanski, they were going to put it together. And the, the beginning of the year was not that. Um, and a lot of it is because Baker was turning the ball over a lot. You look over the last few weeks, he has been very good at protecting the football. In fact, just one interception since uh, week seven. And, and you talked about his, you know, the eight touchdowns over the last few weeks, the one rushing touchdown. A lot of his success is also just not giving the ball away. Now, he has had some some better matchups. He's gotten to face the Titans, whose defense has struggled. He's faced the Jaguars. Uh, but you know what? He also went out and had 343 passing yards against the Ravens, too. So it's not like he's just picking on the cupcakes on the schedule. So maybe we start to buy back in. I do think there will be some skepticism because, look, once people have been burned in fantasy, uh, they, are, they are reluctant to necessarily go back to the person that burned them. But I do think we're starting to see some better things about Baker Mayfield. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing him come off the board as maybe the 10th or 11th quarterback uh, in a lot of fantasy leagues next year. Uh, next up is David Montgomery, who uh, our producer Haitham Kalani suggested I refer to as Baby Walter. <laughs> Baby Walter, for those of you out there. Um, but look, we've been saying for the last couple of weeks that David Montgomery could be a league winner. There's no, there really is no competition in the backfield now that Tariq Cohen is hurt. Uh, the schedule certainly opened up for him. And uh, there were a lot of people in the past who thought big things were coming from David Montgomery, especially his rookie year. I don't know any of them. Their the name might rhyme with Marcus Grant. I'm not sure, but um, we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. 
But you know what? He started to kind of turn into that guy that I thought he could be coming out of college. The question is, is this offense going to do enough to sustain next year, or are we going to go back to him just being sort of average at the beginning of the season? Well, we understand that a lot of his production has become or has come from Tariq Cohen not being in the offense because he's he's out with a season-ending injury. However, if, if you are the offensive coordinator or the head coach for the Chicago Bears, you have to look at what David Montgomery has been able to do with two different quarterbacks, right? We've seen a switch up between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, and now we're back to big Mitch. Regardless of who the quarterback is, David Montgomery is, is, is balling, right? 24-plus fantasy points in four straight games, six touchdowns in that same stretch. We understand that they also had some big losses to their offensive line. They lost their center, James Daniel, with a season-ending injury. And he's hopefully and presumably going to be back and healthy next season. You can't look at what David Montgomery has done and not want to have him be the lead back for your offense. I think he, won is an absolute league winner for fantasy in 2020, especially in this playoff push because their schedule really has opened up and we've seen him ball out and put up performances and touchdowns each and every week. But also looking ahead to 2021 and realizing David Montgomery could be a top 10, top 12 fantasy running back. I... I, I want I want to believe so bad, and I, I I think I think he's better. I think his ceiling is higher than I had anticipated it being. I thought he was a little bit closer to his ceiling already, but apparently no. Apparently he still has some room to grow. Now I would like to see the Bears improve their offensive line. Uh, we'll see what happens with the quarterback spot, whether or not it's Mitchell Trubisky there next year, uh, if they're able to keep parts of this offense intact. Like, Do they keep Allen Robinson around? Do they stay with the same head coach and offensive coordinator there next year? So that that is sort of what I'm very curious about. But we have seen that David Montgomery does have the ability to be that dude. I still think he's probably going to come off the board in the third or fourth round in a lot of leagues. Um, but he does have that upside. So. Uh, I guess I'm I am reluctantly buying back in, even though I I really touted him last year and was left with a heap and helping of meh. Um, but I but I do think that that maybe he's going to be back closer to where I thought he could be. Um, maybe not a league winner over the course of 16 games, but but good enough to not get you beat. Uh, sometimes that's really all you want with uh, with your fantasy running backs. Uh, Corey Davis has been in the midst of his breakout season, and we talked about Ryan Tannehill earlier in the show, but Corey Davis has really stepped up and had a very good year playing opposite of A.J. Brown. Now the question becomes whether he stays in Tennessee or not. We don't know. But uh, have we unlocked the door on Corey Davis being a legitimate fantasy star? Maybe not star, but uh, a solid contributor every week. Oh, he's a solid like wide receiver too, flex option, dependent on the matchup. And hopefully he'll continue to do that uh, next season, whether it be in Tennessee or elsewhere. The thing that's really impressive is, is what you kind of see on the screen. He's able to, to get separation from defenders and explode for those touchdowns, those big moment games. Now, he's currently the fantasy wide receiver 26 after missing a few games this season because of an injury. He's above guys who we had huge expectations for, right? Guys like Marquise Hollywood Brown, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Deontay Johnson. Combine all of those things and the way that he's kind of had a breakout season, Corey Davis could be and should be probably moving up draft boards uh, next season. I think a lot of that will be dependent on where he plays. But if he does stay in Tennessee, we understand that he's going to be the number three on the offense, right? It's going to be Derrick Henry, and it's going to be A.J. Brown. But like you said, he's benefiting from playing opposite of A.J. Brown and running those incredible routes and getting that separation to allow himself to get into the end zone. So it's been an impressive season for Corey Davis. 
I think he's going to end up being, again, provided he stays in Tennessee, he's going to end up being sort of that value pick, if you will. The guy in an offense that can be productive, but you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of draft capital to get him. A.J. Brown's going to be the guy that's first off the board uh, in Tennessee when it, when it comes to their wide receivers. But Corey Davis has shown that he can be as productive as A.J. Brown, but it's not going to come with the same kind of draft price. You can get him in the middle rounds, uh, and especially if you decide that you want to go running back heavy in your drafts, you can still wait a few rounds and get a guy like Corey Davis and feel like you're going to be okay. So, I mean, we saw it last year with Devontae Parker having his breakout season in Miami and really keeping that going into 2020. I think we can expect the same for Davis in 2020 heading into 2021 again. This is all with the asterisk that uh, he stays in Tennessee. If he goes somewhere else, then we reevaluate, we readjust, and uh, you know we make up our own uh, our own theories about what happens next year. All right, last one because we are always thirsty for tight ends. Big Bob Tunyon, Robert Tunyon, who has been sort of touchdown dependent, but here's the thing. He keeps scoring touchdowns, and the Packers have been in need of a tight end. The Packers have been just as thirsty for a tight end as those of us in fantasy football for the last few years. And so maybe they found one. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that you're going to draft Tunyon over, you know, Kelsey or Kittle or Waller or any of those guys. Um, but, Kimmy, if we are in the mood to, to draft a late-round tight end, are we looking at Bob Tunyon next year? I mean, Big Bob is currently the tight end number three on the season, only behind Darren Waller and obviously our first place guy, Travis Kelsey. Like you said, in fantasy football, if you can get a tight end that can score like three fantasy points, you're happy. I'm being a little bit dramatic because it's not that low, but it has been such a wasteland for tight ends this season and kind of every single season. Either you luck out with a Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, or you don't. For those fantasy managers that picked up Bob Tunyon, Robert Tunyon on the waiver wire, you should be pretty happy. You said that he has a huge upside because of his touchdown dependency, but you also said he scores touchdowns. Ten touchdowns this season, at least one touchdown in the last five games straight. Like you said, the Packers have been looking and needing a tight end option, and it looks like Aaron Rodgers has found him. So maybe next year, Bob Tunyon continues to be a top five tight end option. I, I, I think... I know that next year I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna do next year with tight ends. I think I'm gonna go back with my old theory of from this year of I either draft one early uh, or I wait until the later rounds. And I think Tunyon, hopefully, if if the hype does not get too crazy, might be one of those guys that sits around there in the later rounds and is available. I know that when I have drafted sort of those mid round tight ends, uh, I was left sort of underwhelmed. Right, the, the times I drafted, say an Evan Ingram or a Hunter Henry, I just felt. Uh, yeah, like I didn't love the roster construction. So maybe Tunyon is sort of that piece. If I if I miss out on Kelsey or Kittle or Waller early on, uh, then maybe a guy I sit around and wait for is Bob Tunyon. And maybe this means the Packers have figured out their tight end situation because uh, it's been a long time since they've had one that they really could count on. And it seems like for now, they found one. I could be making this all up, but uh, <laughs> it's a story that sounds good to me. It sounds good in my head. Um, what else sounds good is uh, you guys going out there and voting on which of these guys you think uh, has the most staying power for 2021. You can do that by going to Kimmy's Twitter page, at Kimmy Check. She has the poll up, so you can vote on that and let us know who you think uh, is going to be the guy who really kind of propels forward into 2021. And that was Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge.
We are walking on the waiver wire wild side for week 16. Plenty of targets out there this week. The last couple of weeks had been sort of thin, but the, some things uh, shook things up this week. Uh, and it looked kind of interesting. So the quarterbacks, uh, Jalen Hurts, obviously, is going to be a really popular guy off the board this week. Tua Tungavailoa, uh, who had a really good game against the Patriots, should be an option. Mitchell Trubisky because he's got the Jaguars, could be a streaming option if you are really hurting or in a deeper league, maybe a two-quarterback league. Uh, he's still out there and could be uh, could be potentially a, a, a big help for you. Running backs, we talked about Tony Pollard, Jeff Wilson Jr. Keep an eye because Raheem Mostert left with an injury on Sunday, so keep an eye on Mostert's status, but Wilson could be in uh, for a bigger workload, maybe even Tevin Coleman, depending on uh, a Mostert situation. Le'Veon Bell, J.D. McKissick, Savan Ahmed, Keep an eye on Ahmed just because Miles Gaskin could be back, and that might throw a wrench in those plans. But Ahmed had a really nice game on Sunday. Uh, switching over to some of the pass catchers, uh, Rashard Higgins, who didn't necessarily have a great game, but he's got the Jets next week, so keep an eye on him. Emmanuel Sanders, now that Michael Thomas is on injured reserve. Zach Paschal, who played well for the Colts on Sunday. Kendrick Bourne, uh, maybe getting some more targets, had 86 yards and a touchdown for the Niners. And uh, we know Debo Samuel is done for the year. If you're looking for tight ends, Logan Thomas had himself a day against Seattle and has a good matchup against Carolina this week. In the year of our fantasy lord 2020, we are saying Tyler Eifert's name because <laughs> uh, he's actually getting some looks down there in Jacksonville and has a really nice matchup. The Bears are giving up points to tight end, so that's one to keep an eye on. And then defenses. There are the Bears because they get the Jaguars uh, and the Browns, who we have been touting as a streaming option for weeks. Uh, this is your chance to stream them against the Jetropolitans on Sunday. But uh, if we are talking about some guys off the waiver wire, one name that jumped out to me, Kimmy, this week uh, is Le'Veon Bell because Clyde edwards Lair left the game on Sunday with an injury. And according to Ian Rappaport, uh, they expect, the Chiefs expect CEH to miss the rest of of the regular season and hopefully have him back in time for the playoffs. Um, the, the Chiefs very much in line for that one season. So they can even get the bye, which would give him a little extra time to rest. Uh, but you being our resident Chiefs fan here, uh, Lev Bell suddenly is back in our lives and could end up really helping some folks in championship week. He can, and the favorable matchups are there. The Chiefs, they're going to just coast through the playoffs, right? They're going to take on the Atlanta Falcons, and then they're going to end uh, with a fun divisional game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, you know, we had some concerns about CEH, uh, especially yesterday against the Saints. Obviously, he went out with that injury, and Lev Bell stepped up. He got a touchdown, 14 fantasy points, almost 16 from 16 touches and 76 scrimmage yards. If we look at the matchups against the Falcons and the Chargers, both of those teams are not great against running backs. There are so many different offensive weapons on the Chiefs' side of the ball that obviously they have Travis Kelsey. Obviously, they have Tyreek Hill, and they have the passing game covered, but they're going to rely heavily on Le'Veon Bell, uh, and he is going to be, I think, probably the number one one priority for a lot of people uh, ahead of the playoffs because I predict that that the Chiefs are going to be playing from ahead in these remaining games which means they're not going to have to pass the ball as much they're going to be way more dependent on the run game which is where Le'Veon Bell enters the conversation and he could he could be that dude I'm, I'm pumped about it obviously sad for CEH and hope he he gets back for us in the playoffs but for now Le'Veon Bell is going to be our main running back option. He, I think, is going to get a lot of work. I think we will see some Daryl Williams mixed in there because he touched the ball a few times on Sunday as well. Uh, but this is why, if you're the Chiefs, 
you go out and you get a guy like Le'Veon Bell because you never know what's going to happen. You want to have that insurance policy in case uh, in case the worst does happen. And you sort of saw that with Edwards Elaire getting injured. And now you plug in a guy who has you know, a lot of experience, a lot of ability, uh, and you can, in theory, just keep on rolling there. But I do think for anybody who has survived this long with CEH, or if you just have any other running back holes you need to fill, uh, Le'Veon Bell's a name that is going to be very popular on waiver wires this week. Uh, the other one to talk about is Mitchell Trubisky. And here we are in week 16, and we're talking about maybe Mitch Trubisky as a streamer for people. I never thought I would see the day. But uh, he had a really good game a couple weeks ago. It was just okay on Sunday against the Vikings. But then this week, he's got the Jaguars, who just finished getting torched by Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky is Lamar Jackson, so don't at me about that. But uh, to me, this is a really good matchup. And I can see people in deeper leagues. I wouldn't be surprised if I hear from somebody this week who tells me they are streaming Mitch Trubisky in a championship game. Uh, that that guy who's going to be streaming him is probably Adam Rank. Uh, I'm sure he's going to love this show. Now we talk about Big Mitch and David Montgomery and his Chicago Bears. But you're right. Such a good matchup going up against Jacksonville. I'm not saying that he should be your main starting option, but I could see people targeting Mitch Trubisky in daily fantasy formats or a super flex league uh, just because the matchup is so good. Since he's come off of the bench uh, and replaced Nick Foles as the starting quarterback, he's had eight touchdowns in the last four games. He, he's hungry. He wants to earn his spot and his keep on that team. And uh, you, you see him balling out. So yeah, maybe Mitch Trubisky is that streaming dude. Who would have known? This is, is this is how twenty this is how weird twenty twenty is. This is how I'm weird you, this is how weird we've we've gotten. It, it's you know quarantine murder hornets and Mitchell Trubisky streaming in championship weeks. I mean this is this is where we are now uh, in 2020. It it would not be the craziest thing. I think there there are going to be a lot of other options you have out there. I, I don't even know if I if I would have Trubisky in my top ten of quarterbacks this week. Um, but again, depending on what your your league situation is, who is available, uh, what your quarterback situation is. Um, he's going to be a name that I think is going to generate at least a little bit of buzz uh, over these next few weeks or next few days, I should say. There aren't there aren't weeks left in the season. Next few days. We're almost days. done. Where has the tunnel? Uh, <laughs> the, the tunnel. The, there's there's a light there. I see it. I can see it. <laughs> um, as always, if you do have a top waiver priority or there just aren't a lot of people that are still making waiver claims in your leagues, where are you going uh, first on the waiver wire this week? Well, I think first it should obviously be Lev Bell because I always want to try to stock up on running backs. But if it's not Lev Bell's, I'm also going to target Emmanuel Sanders. Now, we understand that Michael Thomas has been placed on injured reserve for the rest of the season. And then yesterday in that game against uh, the Chiefs, Trayvon Smith, he, he went down with an ankle injury. And if he does have to miss some time and not suit up against the Vikings, and that means that Emmanuel Sanders will be the only experienced wideout for the Saints. I think we could understand if Jason Hill gets some more involvement as well as Jared Cook. Uh, but for now, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be that guy because yesterday he led the team in catches and receiving yards. And uh, Drew Brees is going to continue to try to target him downfield if they want to have some good passing options. I, I do like that Emmanuel Sanders pick because I, I think they're going to find ways to get him the football. And Drew Brees coming back does mean a lot for the pass catchers uh, in that offense. But I am going to go back to Lev Bell, who we talked about just a little bit ago, because, um, again, running backs, you can never have enough of them, even in the final week of the season. And we always want parts of that Chiefs offense because Lev Bell ends up you know, scoring touchdowns like he did yesterday on an option pick. That's just not fair, right? You have Patrick Mahomes who's doing you know Harry Potter-like things in the pocket, and then they're just going to run the option like 
That should be against the law. That's not right. Um, but in the meantime, we'll take advantage of that loophole and that not rightness and uh, use it to make your fantasy roster better <laughs> in uh, in week 16. And I do want to hear from you. Like, if you end up winning a championship with Le'Veon Bell on your roster, I would be curious to hear from you because uh, kudos to you uh, if you end up making that happen. On Christmas Day, it's an NFC showdown in New Orleans. The Vikings fighting to keep their playoff hopes alive, while the Saints have their sights set on locking in the top seed in the NFC. Vikings, Saints, Christmas Day, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, NFL Network, and streaming on Prime Video. All right, so it is championship week in most leagues. Should be in all leagues. You're not playing week 17. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. Don't do that. Um, So... I went through and, and picked on some guys. I shouldn't say picked on. Picked some guys uh, who either you know look like they have great matchups and maybe have been struggling, or some guys uh, you know who have been playing well but have tough matchups. And we'll decide whether or not you know you are going to actually start them uh, in a big spot in your league. So let's start with Russell Wilson. If you survived what happened on Sunday and you have moved along to Championship Week and you've got Russell Wilson. Uh, He's had a, a good year for the most part, but really is struggling right now and has a bad matchup against the Rams. Do you do you bite the bullet and start Russell Wilson and hope for better things, or do you look somewhere else this week? You just said earlier in the show, fantasy football managers, we hold grudges. There are a lot of fantasy football <laughs> managers who started Russell Wilson against the Washington football team, and now they're probably out of the fantasy playoffs. You absolutely do not want to start Russell Wilson against the Rams. They're giving up the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. The matchup is tough. Obviously, we've seen some regression the last two, or not two weeks, the last few weeks. He's only had two 20-plus fantasy point performances since week 11. Here's the thing. Russell Wilson can be a very good quarterback and can get the Seahawks into the playoffs. That is a fact. He can also be a very good quarterback, but not be good for fantasy football and the fantasy championships. That is an absolute fact as well. So no, I do not trust him at all going up against Los Angeles Rams. I, I would agree. I don't I don't think I want any parts of Russell Wilson. I think I, I would try to, to hit the waiver wire. I mean, we, we keep talking about Jalen Hurts and, and what he did and the fact that he is available and I think like 85% of, of NFL.com leagues, which means he's still out there in a lot of spots. I would really consider maybe having him and plugging him into my lineup over Russell Wilson this week uh, against the Rams. This is one where as good as, as Russ has been for you know a good chunk of the season, uh, right now, I think I'm a little too scared to go out and, and make that move uh, in Speaking, a really, really big spot. Not, not to interrupt you, but I, I literally just saw a tweet of someone just tweeted me and said, I'm, you know, I'm in the fantasy championship, the championship's on the line. Do I start Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, or Jalen Hurts over the Cowboys? And I want to respond <laughs> to this guy and be like, honestly, Jalen. Uh, but this is the point Jaylen. where we're at in, in the fantasy playoffs, you know, heading into week 16, that Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, two guys who have been in the conversation for fantasy MVP, could now be on the bench for a guy who's only started in two NFL games this season. And of those three quarterbacks you mentioned, Russ is number three on that list for me. Uh, it, it is Jalen, then Kyler, then Russ, uh, in the order that I would I would think about starting them this week. Um, Gio Bernard has look. He's since he took over for Joe Mixon, um, he's gotten a lot of snaps. The production has not been great for him, and he does play on Monday night. We'll talk about the Monday night game a little bit later. Uh, he does play on Monday night, but the opportunity has been great. The production has not been great, but. 
man, that's a really tantalizing matchup he has against the Houston Texans coming up in week 16. Um, if, if you need a flex guy, do you take the chance and hope that Gio turns it around or is it just a no-go at this point? I mean, he also had a really favorable matchup against the Dallas Cowboys in week 14, and then he got benched because he had skittle hands or what skillet fingers, <laughs> skittle, skillet, whatever. He, he, he was fumbling the ball. He was fumbling the ball, and he, he created some turnovers, and then they put him on the bench. I understand, you know, we look at these matchups on paper, and we realize that this could be an opportunity to get a guy like Gio Bernard in the flex. But there, this is not the time to take chances. I just don't think that his performances have, have been there. Even in a solid matchup situation that he's had multiple weeks now, he's not had double-digit fantasy points since week eight. I don't know if I'm going to be willing to take the risk uh, in the fantasy championship round. I, I'm with you. I think I stay away from Gio, even though I, I saw that matchup. I was like, man, this seems so good. It seems, it seems amazing. Uh, but... You're right. I mean, I'm looking at the, what, the two weeks ago against Dallas, uh, or last week, I guess, against Dallas, 23 total scrimmage yards, 29 the week before that. It has been a slog for Gio Bernard, and I don't know that that somehow the Houston Texans are going to be the defense that just you know, gives him the shot in the arm to keep it going. It means too much, and the floor is way, way too low for me to take the chance, so I would probably avoid it here. Uh, all right, let's get to one that I, I feel better about, though, right? Marvin Jones who had over 100 yards on Sunday. Uh, he's had over 100 yards in two of his last three games. And with Kenny Galladay you know, looking like he's pretty much done uh, for this year. Marvin Jones has the Buccaneers, who have been fairly tough against wide receivers. But do we have a level of confidence that maybe Marvin can overcome in Week 16? I mean, they're still allowing almost 40 points to the wide receiver position. I think that's eighth most in the league right now. Marvin Jones has been hot, and I'm so glad that I did not drop him uh, this season because he had kind of some dud down performances, and then I wanted to clear out and make some space, but then I just got a weird feeling. I had like a Raven Simone, that's a Raven psychic moment, so I kept him, and now he's really balled out, right? Two games with over 100 receiving yards uh, the last few weeks. Just put up 27 points and a touchdown against the Titans. Not only is this Buccaneers defense uh, not horrible against wide receivers, I think there's some opportunities for Marvin Jones to get involved. He also has another favorable matchup against the Vikings. They're allowing the six most fantasy points to wide receivers, nearly 41 points. So uh, if you need some wide receiver help and, and you like the production you've seen out of him as of late, I think Marvin Jones is a, is a considerable option uh, for the fantasy championship round. I would actually feel okay with Marvin Jones, as a, at least as a wide receiver too this week, because uh, look, especially with Matthew Stafford being able to get in and, and sort of gut it out uh, against the Titans on Sunday, hopefully he will be better with, a, with another week uh, to kind of try and, and rehab and get healthy. But the Lions have figured out how to get the ball in the, in the hands of Marvin Jones. And he had a slow start this year, but has really picked things up the last few weeks. So I feel okay about this. I think, you know, almost regardless of the matchup, I shouldn't say that. That's not completely true. But at least in this matchup, I do feel confident enough that uh, Marvin Jones can make some thing ha things happen. And uh, by the way, you can see the Lions uh, taking on the Buccaneers as part of an NFL triple header this Saturday. Uh, you can see two games on uh, NFL Network. One game will be streaming exclusively on Amazon Prime Video, but the three games. In fact, it is a it is a wonderful weekend of football. We got a game on Friday, which is Christmas Day. We got the three games on Saturday, and then you got uh, your normal Sunday slate, and then even into Monday. So uh, it is a football feast uh, for the holidays that you can enjoy. Uh, all right, one last one. Jared Cook, who 
got Drew Brees back and, and had a few catches against the Chiefs on Sunday. Now he's got the Vikings, who have been fairly tough uh, against tight ends this year. But do you feel confident now that Brees is back uh, with Jared Cook in your lineup? I feel confident because Drew Brees is back. I also feel confident because they're losing Michael Thomas for the rest of the season. I, I alluded to it earlier when talking about Emmanuel Sanders, but I think, you know, the combination of having your OG quarterback who can actually throw the ball accurately and not just rush in touchdowns, no shade to you, Taysom Hill, uh, that's going to bode well. And they're going to have to try and get more pass catchers involved because of the absence of Michael Thomas and, and possibly the absence of Traquan Smith as well. I think Jared Cook, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, clearly and Emmanuel Sanders are all going to have increased receiving roles so I think he he is a must-start tight end against the Vikings especially in a year when we don't really have a lot of tight end options otherwise that is sort of my thinking too is that you know if you are if you've been streaming tight ends if you've been trying to just kind of mix and match you might not find a lot of better options than what Jared Cook may offer you this week and, and again as you mentioned with Michael Thomas out with Drew Brees back I think there are going to be targets to be had there. So uh, I would definitely give Jared Cook a shot. I think he is in line for at least a decent day. And look, when you're talking about tight ends, if you can get, say, 50 yards and a touchdown, um, you're feeling pretty good about your tight end option. And I do have a level of confidence that you can sort of get something close to that uh, with Jared Cook. If he can get you, you know, 11 to, to 13, you know, even 15 points, um, then you'll you'll be okay with that, depending on whether the rest of your roster kind of does what it is supposed to do. So, uh, Jared Cook, give him a shot. Um, I know we seem to go around and around on Jared Cook, but he always he always persists and he always finds a way to kind of step up and, and do his thing. Uh, so those are games or guys, I should say, that could win you your fantasy championship, which could win you one of these bad boys. You can go along with your league and you can order one of these things. It is the official fantasy football trophy of the national football league just go to nfl.com slash fantasy trophy and you too can get one of these and like it's got little spaces on the side that you can put a little plaque a nameplate or even if you want to be salty you can just put it right on the top there and you can just put this <laughs> in the camera and let everybody stare at your name uh the whole time but uh, go check it out it's a it's a it's a really cool thing uh it is pretty hefty too so uh is it's got some weight to it if you want to uh you know kind of impress your friends and lord over the rest of your league mates Look, I know that the season is almost over, but that's no excuse for you to not download the NFL Fantasy app, mostly because you can watch games on it for the low, low price of free 99. And that includes tonight's Monday Night Football matchup between the Steelers and the Bengals. I almost called them the Stingles and the Beelers, which would have been really weird. Um, but you can watch it for free on your phone. Just download the app uh, wherever you download fine phone applications. Uh, all right, let's get on to that game against the Stingles and the Beelers, uh, which will be played tonight in uh, Cincinnati, I believe is where it will be. Um, the Steelers, I think, are a overwhelming favorite to win this thing on the field, but this definitely is going to have some fantasy implications for people because there are a number of fantasy relevant players in this game. At running back, James Conner is questionable with a quad injury going into this one, but even when he's been healthy, it has been sort of a struggle with him at times uh, for fantasy managers. Benny Snell has been a thorn in the side of anybody who's starting James Conner. So let's look at Snell. What are you projecting from him in this game uh, tonight against Cincinnati? 
I could see him housing and bringing in around 11 fantasy points. You would hope that it would be a little bit more, but we've obviously seen some struggles on the on the running side of the ball for the Steelers. Now, the matchup is is decent. The Bengals are middle of the pack against running backs. I think they're 16th, allowing something like 23 fantasy points. So especially if James Conner is a scratch and doesn't go because of that quad injury and Benny Snell is the lead back, hopefully he can have some major production on the ground. But I think he has a safe floor around 10, 11 fantasy points. I am not so optimistic. I've got him at like nine fantasy points tonight. I just feel like this might end up being kind of a Ben Roethlisberger in the passing, you know, in the passing game sort of thing. Um, if if Snell can score a touchdown, then maybe that number goes up. But I feel like uh, it, it may just be him kind of grinding out some yards and maybe not getting you a whole lot. I I'd have a hard time, honestly, starting any of the running backs for the Steelers in this one. I just don't know what to expect. And the Bengals have been better against running games than I think people uh, immediately anticipate. So this one sort of worries me, whether it is Connor or Snell. Of course, you know, Connor, we'll see if he even plays. Uh, but either way, I just, I'm just not all that super excited about them. Um, I did say, though, I think the Steelers are going to throw the ball and throw it effectively, which brings us to our, their wide receivers. So... You had to pick, choose your fighter between Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool. Love the bell. Uh, choose your fighter between those three. Who do you think uh, is going to be the high scorer there? I choose Jake Paul. I'm kidding. That was just a Nate Robinson. That's just a Nate Robinson. <laughs> Nate Robinson has there. the sads now, right? <laughs> uh, no, okay. This is hard because you never really know uh, which of these receivers are going to pop. Now, I think the safest option would probably be to say Juju, but I, we, we talk about fantasy managers holding grudges. I start Juju each and every week, and then he does absolutely nothing for me, and now I'm in the consolation bracket for the fantasy playoffs, so he's burned me, so he's not going to be the answer. Now, if I had to choose between Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, I think I'm actually going to rock with Deontay Johnson on this one uh, if he makes sure to actually catch the ball and not deflect it down and pull a Nelson Aguilar and not even drop him like babies. Uh, I, I understand that he has a huge potential for a big ceiling game as just Chase Claypool, but I'm hoping that Deontay Johnson kind of has a bounce back moment and can rack up some big fantasy points tonight. I'm going to go with Juju because it seems like he has been sort of the safer, more consistent option over the past few weeks. And I look, I will agree completely that Deontay Johnson has the higher ceiling. He is the guy who is their, essentially their number one wide receiver. And he's the guy that they want to get the ball to as much as possible. Um, but because, you know, he has occasionally had a case of the dropsies, uh, that sort of makes it hard, right? And, and especially when we saw a couple weeks ago, he dropped a couple of passes and he ended up sitting on the bench for a while. Um, that is always a risk here. Juju is in a weird situation because he's almost like a de facto tight end the way they're using him. I mean, he had a game a couple weeks ago where I think he had seven catches for 28 yards, which seems almost physically impossible in, in the NFL nowadays, but somehow he did it. So there's always sort of that fear. Um, but I just think the consistency and the fact that he has been sort of that even you know middle shot, like Chase Claypool has been peaks and valleys. Uh, Deontay Johnson has been sort of inconsistent. Juju has been just sort of steadily chugging along. He's that guy who every week, you know, in a in a contest picks up second or third, but cumulatively over the course of the season, he has more points than everybody else. Uh, and that's what I think is sort of going to happen for him again tonight. On the flip side, any Bengals you feel good about starting this week? 
maybe Tyler Boyd. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you're in that situation where you're like, I have to start someone and he's my only option, uh, I'd probably say Tyler Boyd. But I do have to give credit to AJ Green, you know, a few weeks ago, because I've kind of not been hype on him all season long because he's kind of taken a backdoor to Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. But he also, you know, managed to put up a decent performance a few weeks ago and a pretty tough matchup. Uh, but I'm not going to take the chances on this one tonight against the Steelers. I think Tyler Boyd is probably the best receiving option. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not enthused. Clearly, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not excited about either of them. But uh, I think Tyler Boyd is a guy with the highest ceiling. Now, the the wrinkle to all this is that Ryan Finley is starting at quarterback, making just his fourth career start. Uh, this is a guy who uh, you know, has, I think, what two? I think he has two career touchdown passes and four interceptions, or something like that. The numbers mm-hmm. aren't really spectacular, so that sort of throws a wrinkle in it. But I would hope that he looks around the field and sees who his best receiver is and throws it in that guy's direction. So, uh, if I had to ride with somebody, it is probably going to be Tyler Boyd. But I'm, I'm sort of with you that I'm not really all that excited about it. Um, do you have any any you know, matchups left? Does, does, does anything hinge on this game tonight, or are you sort of uh, locked in or out one way or another at this point? I'm locked in or out, but you know what? In, in the league that I, like, care about the most, right, 16-team league, it's competitive, it's crazy. I, I started off so strong. I was, like, 8-0, and and then my team just completely fell apart. In, in round one of the fantasy playoffs, they all poo-pooed the bet, right? They were absolutely horrible. I looked at my <laughs> consolation bracket yesterday, and it was like, Josh Allen, 41 points. Uh, the Dallas defense, God knows how many points. It was like 10 points from them. It was like every single player decided to show up for me in the consolation bracket. So I'm salty. I'm salt bay. I'm mad. Uh, but I'm just happy that we got a full season at NFL fantasy football. And now I'm already looking ahead to 2021. Now it's time for like overreaction theater of early draft stock and, and where guys are going to fall. So, uh, you know, a little bummed that I didn't win a fantasy championship, but just happy that we could watch some football. I think I think I'm pretty much done. Well, I should take that back. I, I have a league where I do have a couple of Bengals going tonight. Uh, but I am so dramatically far behind that uh, it's probably not going to matter. Unless I can somehow get a combination of about 65 points from Gio Bernard and T. Higgins. I feel like I'm pretty much sunk <laughs> in that league. So, uh, yeah, this might be in it for me as well. Starting to pivot to 2021 and start talking about draft picks and, and all sorts of things. So uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Plus, we still have a couple more video shows for you, and we'll still keep doing the audio podcast once we get into January. So we have plenty of good content. So uh, hang with us, even if you have not made it to the championship, and definitely hang with us uh, if you did. So anyway, for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, we that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, always take life with a grain of salt and a slice of lime and a shot of tequila. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. (laughs) And we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 